With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Another edition of Meet Me at Mutual. I'm your host, Daniel Shopdoff, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me usually is Alan Medlock, but Alan's still doing the baseball thing. Um, for those wanting to keep up, the Nathan Hale uh, Rangers are 0-4. They're looking, still looking for their first win, but have had a lot of games with rain and snow. So Alan had some reschedules this week and unable to join us. But I was able to wrangle in the oldest newest people in the podcasting <laughs> business i don't know exactly how to do this <laughs> we've got ben samorka and nate heisinger from talking about birds you'll find them at talk about birds on twitter you can find the talking about birds on the apple podcast everywhere else you find your podcasts and uh, nate's at nate sdl uh ben's at samorka uh like i said talk about birds on the twitters uh, the guys did a show a long while back, took a, like, you know, stepped away for like oh, five years or so. And, and now are back and, and Nate and Ben, it's, it's be good to have y'all back in the, well, the podcastosphere. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're happy to be back. Um, you know, great to get to, uh, talk to you today. Um, you know, even though we've been, out of the podcast um, game for quite a while. Definitely still been pretty involved in following the Cardinals and and keeping up on all the, you know, various social media stuff. So thought we would uh, 
you know, we I think Ben and I looked around at the market and saw all these really smart people putting out great content. And we thought, <laughs> what if the two dumbest people in the world come back <laughs> and make the stupidest podcast they can? And uh, here we are again to uh, to talk Cardinals and happy to talk to you again today, Dan. Daniel, well, did I call you Dan? Do you go by Dan ever? I I don't typically, but okay. I don't stop people from doing it. So, yeah, I don't know um, why I just called you Dan. Including my high school friends will tend to do that as well. Yeah. So it's okay. fine. It's fine. Oh. And Ben, I, I do appreciate you being here to continue this streak after two oh, weeks ago having Ben Godar, last week Ben Sruti, now I've been Svorka. I, you know, I, I think we're changing the name to talk or well, if we were talking about birds. We would become talking about bins, but um, <laughs> That's you do show. not want to be talking about bins. <laughs> that is a show. my no. friend. <laughs> it gets in a weird place pretty quickly. I, I definitely, I definitely feel the weight on my shoulders right now. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. My hands are shaking, but I'm going to do my damnedest. And I, you know, I'll, I'll try, I'll, I'll do everything I can to uphold the bin name. Well, and it's it's a high bar from those two guys, but I have no doubt that you can you there's, can clear it. So. There's nothing better that Ben and myself do is lower the bar. So, <laughs> uh, anyways, again, very good to have y'all back. If if you haven't been listening, uh, go go follow. That's what y'all put out episode four this week. Is that right? Yep. Okay. Episode so, four yeah, of yeah. After you know, like you said, I think the five year hiatus. Um, and yeah, really quick before you get into it, I want to say thank you uh, for supporting us five years ago so much and immediately <laughs> being like, you know, you you could have absolutely given us the cold shoulder say, oh, these guys are going to put out two episodes and never talk to me again. But thank you uh, for, uh, for for bringing yeah. us back under your cardinal wing again. <laughs> glad, the pod father. Daniel Shabtaw, the, the pod father. Yeah, we really I have been called it. the blog father, so I go. guess maybe that, that carries along <laughs> as well. So. Um, so let's talk about these Cardinals. Um, we're here into spring training. The Cardinals are having a very successful spring training, which if, if I don't know. Is that concerning that they're having a good spring training? Um, because that's one of those things, right? That somebody has a great spring training and then they go out and, and typically fall on their faces. Um, but at what forward one now, it's, it's been nice to see, uh, Ben, what are, what are your first year thoughts on what we've seen so far in spring? I think, I think this is a, a weirdly big year for the Cardinals, even though like, I don't know if the front office is necessarily treating it like that, but I kind of look, you know, this is year two with Nolan Arenado. Um, last year was a weird year for obvious reasons, you know, like fans slowly coming back and all that, but year two for Arenado, Tyler O'Neill broke out. Two legends are, well, actually, my theory is that Adam Wainwright is going to keep pitching until they literally rip the jersey off of his back. But we know that Yadier Molina, this is going to be his last year. The Cardinals have a new manager. I think there's a, I think it's just, it seems like a high energy camp. I think the players, I know I'm unbelievably excited for this season because all of those things that I just listed so that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting. It's, you know, this culmination of kind of the changing of the guard that's happening on the team. Um, Nolan kind of taking over as the leader of the team. Some of the younger guys establishing themselves. I, I should have said uh, Dylan Carlson in there as well. So I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think that that's kind of what I'm seeing and and kind of the energy that I'm feeling from the five games or so that we watched. And obviously, you know, the endless tweets and videos and everything that's going on in spring training. I'm feeling excitement changing 
it's it's kind of fun. I'm I'm energized by it. I think they are too. It feels like it. It feels like there is a little bit more maybe concentrated burst because it's a smaller spring training and we come off this mess of a lockout. Um, Nate, what do you think? I mean, is it kind of the same thing with you? Is it a lot more excitement than maybe you expected? Yeah, I do think you're right, though, that some of this is the lockout that we went from like nothing to now there's games with the starters going into the fifth inning or or longer, which is not normally how spring training starts. Obviously, it's like, you know, the most anticlimactic deadlines of all time, the like pitchers and catchers report. And you spend like a month just watching dudes play catch. And then it slowly ramps up to, uh, you know, game action. And so going straight to game action, I think, has increased the excitement. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, Ben's exactly right. There's a, there's a ton of excitement. And I think if it wasn't for the uh, the two sort of one-two punch injuries that we learned about right out of the gates with uh, Flaherty and Reyes, this would be a purely positive amped up uh, spring training. I mean, I know... Some fans, I think ourselves included, were a little disappointed with the uh, acquisitions of the offseason. But the guys that are there all seem to be doing really, really well. Uh, there's a lot of guys coming back. You know, you're looking at uh, Dakota Hudson. Um, Michaelis has been a bit of a question mark, obviously. And so far, I mean, you know, like you said, spring stats don't really matter. But you'd rather be winning than losing, even if it doesn't matter. So it's it's been fun. Yeah, it's it's a lot. You don't want to be that team that just is terrible in spring training. I know that <laughs> it doesn't really mean anything. Like you said, it doesn't necessarily carry over. Sometimes people are working on it. Sometimes you've just got a lot of young guys out there. But still, you'd well, much rather win your games. I, I think it's you know one thing that we're not seeing as much with the spring training is you're not seeing those days where a pitcher is going out and like clearly his goal that day is just to throw fastballs all day. You know, yeah. or yeah. I'm just going to go and practice my changeup 19 times in a row against this, the heart of this order. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. It doesn't matter. I think guys are going out and competing a little bit more in these early spring training games because they have to because the opening day is in uh, what 13 days. So they're yeah. getting as many reps in as they can. So I think that's part of the games feel a little bit different than spring training games might normally. And the success can be a little bit more exciting than it might normally be. But of course, I'm still, you know, knocking on wood and 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 crossing my fingers that you know this carries into the regular season. Even though obviously, year after year, we know that spring training results don't really foreshadow any sort of regular season results. You still, it's nice to see guys out there hitting their spots, you know, taking good at bats. It's been fun. And also, we've seen a little bit, I guess, because there are fewer games. There's fewer chances to evaluate and things like that. Uh, saw this week that, you know, Tommy Edmonds is going to play games like in the minor league complex so that Norlin Gorman can work his way out of a slump in the big league and get evaluated there, which is not something you normally see, right? I mean, you get right. the guy that jumps in the backfields and he gets like 20 at bats in one day or something like that. But, you know, to actually legitimate play back there, um, that, that doesn't happen. And, I mean, it's kind of interesting, Ben, to think that they're doing this. You're being so focused on Gorman in that regard, right? That they're trying to get him on track, um, whereas he's not necessarily guaranteed or even maybe expected a spot. 
Yeah, you know, I wonder if this is a Ali Marmol difference or if this is a mm. Nolan Gorman is the golden child difference or or what this is. But I, I totally agree with you. They were talking about that today on Friday on the broadcast about how Ali Marmol pulled aside Nolan Gorman and said, hey, you need to get out of your head, go back to playing your game. You know, we all have the faith in you. And, and they're really, really broadcasting it. So I, I wonder... Like I said, I wonder if it's what where that change is coming from. Is it just they are so high on Nolan Gorman? And maybe they are very intent on breaking camp with Nolan, uh, with Gorman. i got to be specific about the Nolans. <laughs> with Nolan G. Um, he needs a nickname. We don't have a nickname for him yet. Um, but I think the Gorman. That's bad. But I'm going to drive past that. They seem very intent on, or from the outside looking in, like maybe they are trying to break camp with him at second. And I think that Tommy Edmonds' real value is being super utility. I think, mm-hmm. you know, a world where he's picking up a cup, even though he won the gold glove, I recognize game. That was, you know, ridiculous how he did that. Uh, but I think a, a world where, Tommy's playing the infield, getting a couple of starts in the outfield and starting four or five times a week and spelling guys, especially with the DH makes all the sense in the world. And I think we saw him, you know, my opinion is Tommy's obviously a very valuable player, but a little overexposed on the offensive side last year. And I think Cardinals fans probably want more production out of that leadoff spot. Um, and and to, just to keep going on, um, I think my, if, you know, if I had to pick uh, the lineup that we saw today with Dylan Carlson leadoff, I think makes a lot of sense, but yeah, that's, that's kind of my read on the Gorman situation. Yeah. I think with yeah. the expanded, uh, sorry, one point to throw in it with the expanded yeah. roster now, um, which is only mm-hmm. supposed to go what through April. Um, so. There's, I is think it, a little bit more pressure. 27 or 28? 28. 28. I should yeah. know that. Okay, yeah. There's two more spots now. And I was starting to get the, um, with the signing of Dickerson, starting to feel like they were going to keep Gorman at AAA and, you know, daily reps and all the reasons they give for keeping guys like that at AAA. Um, but now with the extra two roster spots, even though they'll likely be committed to pitching, I think there's a little bit more room now uh, to to bring him up with you, even if spring isn't perfect. Well, what do you make then as we, as we get that? And I think that's fair, but you know, today the Cardinals, they, they announced some roster moves. They send some pitchers down, but most notably, I think they, they added Corey Spangenberg as on a minor league contract, not going to necessarily guaranteed to, but it's just an interesting guy to bring in this late in the game. If you don't necessarily expect him to, to make their roster right and he's got a good relationship with skip schumacher i think probably get you know get a word in does this is this one of those things that okay if gorman can't make it at least we have another guy there that can be that kind of you know middle infielder guy yeah i guess um yeah that, i saw that too and that was confusing to me other than it's just mo loving to throw darts at these <laughs> dudes who you know bounce around in the minors and you know, 95 times out of 100, it, you know, we never see him actually wearing a Cardinal mm-hmm. uniform. And, yeah. but every once in a while, 5% of the time, a dude like this sticks and, you know, he, he serves as a, as a valuable piece. I hadn't really thought yeah. about that as like insurance for Gorman. Um, but that is interesting. 
Yeah, is he is he like Max Moroff, you know, heavy? I get like yeah. I, I don't really have any expectations other than he I'm, I had to pull him up on baseball reference because I know nothing about this guy. He's got way more major league experience than I thought he did. So there's something to be said about that. True, although it doesn't look like he's played the last two years. So, you know, what whatever that for, for what all that does for you. Yeah. You know, I think about, like you said, the Max Moroffs. I think of like Dean Anna from a number of years ago where they signed him in the off season. And then oh, wow. yeah, yeah. he spent all, all year. <laughs> that's a poll. That's yeah. a- <laughs> <laughs> My short-term memory is terrible. Long-term <laughs> stuff. Um, and you know, there are, yeah, there's, there's a few guys like that where they, they sign them. But I guess it's the biggest thing is they usually, and they couldn't this year, um, obviously, but they usually sign those guys in you know January or like, oh, this is their move right. or something. Um, and now to do it when we've gotten to that point where we feel like we kind of know what the roster is, right? I mean, right. you're right. Gorman is still quite a questionable, but for the most part, there's only like one or two spots left to bring in a new guy. It just seems a little weird to me. And, and doesn't Brendan Donovan fill the exact shape hole right. that Corey Spangenberg is filling? Who And they... He seems like a guy that's got the 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 kiss of Mo this spring or whatever you want to call it. Who they, he seems like the, a guy the that kiss I never of Mo. <laughs> does that not make sense? It does. Um, you just you treated it as if it's a thing people have been saying. I'm uh, starting. You know. Yeah, you know it's it's the springtime kiss of Mo, <laughs> the yearly ritual we all go through. Um, no, I know I know what you're talking about. Just <laughs> left-handed nor- utility middle infielder. <laughs> I'll just leave it there. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It did it did seem a little bit strange given that Donovan has had a, a pretty strong spring and was added to the forty man over the winter uh, to protect uh, from the three or five draft that didn't actually happen. Yeah, um, <laughs> but you know he seems to have been fairly strong um, and, and made some sort of an impact, but. I got to wonder, you know, how much of this with the DH, but you've got, you know, Yepes, Gorman, maybe Donovan, uh, you know, you still got guys like Lars Newbar who haven't played this sort of the whole year. Um, how much use do they really want on this team? Yeah. Also, I think Ben and I are both fans of uh, Burleson as well, mm-hmm. who's been getting some play this spring. Certainly seems like there's an abundance of young guys. Uh, I think that Mo is just, you know, he's feeling a little heat about the lack of big acquisitions this offseason. And he said, all right, let's go get Spangenberg. Let's make it happen. <laughs> let's bring him in. It'll quell the fire. People will understand. It's no Correa, but he does have 29 career home runs. And I think that will bring the pop this team needs. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I I hope that is not how that email read. Uh, I'm, I had to look it up. I was like, what the hell has he been doing for the past two years? He's in uh, uh, Japanese uh, uh, Nippon professional baseball, oh, and okay. he put up a 713 OPS last year. Um, so that maybe doesn't really was, inspire a lot. Maybe it was a no. deal where, like, you know, he, they're going to get Brooks and Verhagen and maybe we still owe a little bit from uh, Kim and Sungwano or something. And they're like, and I know these are all different leagues, but, uh, you, know, <laughs> but you also have to take Spangenberg too. He's going to come back over from, uh, from the Japanese league and you have to take Spangenberg. Maybe Spangenberg is just a really cool guy. 
He could be a cool guy. Real little uh, clubhouse signing. There you go. And, it, and that really kind of feels like, like I said, they made it a point of, of saying that, you know, Skip knew him from when he played out in San Diego. Um, it it kind of feels like, a, you know, I'll help this guy out. It could be, or maybe he's a um, kind of a, uh, a guy who's on a, um, like a leadership track, you know, like a coach mm-hmm. track. And they want to get him into the organization and get him around the group and see if he, he clicks or something like that. Mm-hmm. Could well be, could well be. And, you know, it's a guy that if he's played in Japan for the last two years, he's probably going to be fine with playing in Memphis for a summer. <laughs> if it gives him a chance to, you know, yeah. have, you know, step. He's not going to be one of those guys that's not going to accept that um, situation. Right. So, um, you know, it's depth, it's something. It's probably nothing that we'll actually talk about at the end of the year, but I think we, we should say we to. hope that we don't have to talk yeah, about right. Spangenberg's, uh, you know, <laughs> resurgence in 2022 with the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. End of the year. So Corey Spangenberg was the MVP of yeah. the team this year. What does that tell you? Yeah. Um, so yeah, a um, little bit weird. Uh, we also saw. Um, you know, a few little things. We saw Aaron Brooks get added to the 40 band. Really feels like, especially with those two extra spots, he's going to go north this year, right? I mean, he's had a great spring um, and he at least gets a chance to, you know, see what he can do from the first two or three weeks. Yeah, I, you know, Ben and I talked about this on the recent episode, not really having known very much about him, um, but I did do a little bit of research and I guess he had a 60% ground ball rate in uh, throughout his throughout his career, somewhere around 60%, and generally doesn't walk people. And his results in the major leagues were not very good. Um, but I think those are the kinds of guys that Card- the Cardinals front office are targeting now with the defense that the Cardinals have. High ground ball they, rate, don't walk guys. The Cardinals have had a type this offseason, and that's yeah. yes, a, a ground ball pitcher that is coming from uh, – Asia somewhere and a <laughs> left-handed batter that does anything. Um, the, yeah. And, and, you know, I, I kind of felt like just the way that Verhagen was brought over and everything that he was kind of anointed. It seemed like he, uh, he had the kiss of Mo. I'm well, I was going to say, would you say he had the kiss of Mo? <laughs> but he, he definitely felt like, okay, this is a guy they knew exactly what they're getting here. He has the exact pitch arsenal that is going to work for Bush stadium for this defense. And, you know, while we don't, I, at least I was completely unaware of Aaron Brooks before this, he fits that exact same mold and, and they're definitely, they, they believe that they have a formula and they are going to, I, they're going to commit to it. And I, I guess I'll give them credit for that. albeit like unbelievably, <laughs> unbelievably boring, um, <laughs> but probably yeah. productive, right? Like yeah. so well, far so what... good. And it makes sense. The logic is there. I'm not agar- arguing with that. It's yeah. what we saw the the entire return of the Cardinals in the second half last year, which was right. they stopped walking guys and let their defense do the work. Uh, I think, Ben, it was you who was saying, like, John Lester was not any better with the Cardinals than he was with the Nationals or really what he'd been the last few years. He just was the right team for that style. Um, J.A. Happ, uh, T.J. McFarland, all these guys, they came in and they just uh, pitched a contact Whereas, especially in June of last year, uh, no one could find the strike zone. So you're the just Cardinals, giving away everything. 
the Cardinals broke the record for most walks with the bases Ooh. loaded last year. That that <laughs> is what you need to yeah. know about the first what not four a good look. months. Yeah. 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 It slowed down it, for a while. There it looked like they might avoid it. But, you know, when they started, I felt like it was about every day that one of those was going to happen. Um, yeah. I think the thing about Brooks, at least from what I can tell, the lim- limited that I see is he does. He, he brings that strikeout ability that a lot of these guys don't, even if they are getting the ground balls and, and yeah. they're, you know, being effective you know, Brooks seems to have a little bit extra in his arsenal. Um, you know, it's one of the reasons I'm a little bit iffy. I know y'all talked about it on the show. I'm a little, I always have been a little iffy on Dakota Hudson just because, you know, ground balls are good and I like them, but you know, uh, if you're not striking people out, then you do run that risk of a lot of ground balls, finding holes and, and things of that nature. And not that Dakota Hudson will be a good pitcher. Um, but you don't want to him, I don't think you want him to be your number two pitcher, which is where arguably yeah. where he's at. <laughs> he's going to have to be now. Yeah, I, I do think it caps someone's ceiling. You're you're totally right. Like you rarely, it happens, of course, but rarely are you looking around at what you would consider the best pitchers in the league, and you're and you know you're looking at the ground ball guys as as those guys. Yeah, um, Brandon Webb had that like one year right. in 2004. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it caps the ceiling, but I think with a, a team like the Cardinals, it does give you a relatively safe floor though as well. True. Um, True. and so, yeah, I don't, I, you hope that Dakota, Dakota Hudson has a fantastic season and he should still sit somewhere around your like number three or number four pitcher. Yeah. So what do they do for the fifth starter spot? I mean, I know, Hopefully it's not a long-term solution because you hope that Jack Flaherty is going to be back at some point in time within, although it seems unlikely in the first month, but somewhere in that range. Um, but they're going to have to get some starts out of somebody. Um, is there somebody that seems to stand out to you, Ben, about who's going to take the, the ball at least the first time around? So, you know, before spring training, thought uh, kind of really picked up and uh, and the game started happening and everything like that i kind of thought that it was libertor uh was mm. going to be kind of pegged as that guy um i think you know we saw he had an up and down year last year but every single scattering report you read about him talks about how this guy's a two or three starter in the big leagues he's got everything uh his fastball is playing up a little bit i know uh the report that i was reading earlier this week was talking about the idea that his slider has overtaken his curveball and you could argue the cardinals drafted or uh, dra- traded for him for his curveball um so he's got two you know nice breaking balls and a and a fastball that should play in the in the bigs along with the changeup i kind of thought that that was the guy that they were tabbing um and that's you know that could still happen i i i know some people have said that you know if if Libertor is breaking camp with the Cardinals and that's a failure on the Cardinals for, for, uh, uh, for their depth. Um, but I'm not sure I agree with that. Um, outside of that, I have said it, you know, I said it on the episode we just put out and I, I'll probably be saying it all season and I might be wrong, but I'm a big Johan Oviedo fan. Um, I, I would like to see him get more. He probably needs more time, uh, in the minor leagues. That's those are kind of my dream scenarios. I think really what it's going to be is is probably some weird combination of Jake Woodfair or ugh, Woodford, Aaron <laughs> Brooks, Verhagen. There, there's some kind of three headed monster that's going to be taking starts. And if you have a good start, you probably get another good start. And if you don't, you probably don't. 
Yeah, that, that would seem reasonable because it doesn't feel like. I mean, we know, we know. I don't know that Move knows necessarily, but <laughs> we know that this team is good. But it's not a team that you can say is going to you know win the division by six or seven or eight games, right? I mean, this is a team that's not even probably depends on who you ask isn't even favored to win the division. So if you're not getting production out of those, that fifth spot early, you've got to make a move on that. You can't let it fester because I mean, 17 game winning streaks don't come along every year. (laughs) No, I think we go in banking on the 17 game win streak. (laughs) We got there last year. Um, Yeah. It's 18. Yeah. Let's we're doing, let's do it again. Um, And and maybe, uh, sorry, Nate, I totally just cut you off. <laughs> You're fine. I I, I think, uh, first of all, you called him a three-headed monster. I think that's a little bit over the, given a little too much credit. I, I think Jake Woodford is is an interesting candidate. Like um, a three-headed like puppy dog, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> a... Cerebrus? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> they, they guard a hell, which is the back end of the Cardinals' uh, rotation depth. Um, I like Woodford, you know, he's, we, we haven't seen a ton of him yet, uh, put up a 4.5 FIP, uh, in 2021, which I think is not bad for a 24 year old, you know, it was resulted in a sub three or sub four ERA over 67 innings. So, um, I think there's something there you could, you could get a lot worse in your fifth starter. And again, he's still very young. So, um, I think we could see some some growth there. And uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Oviedo as well. I think he will be very, very good in the majors. I've been more of a proponent of keeping him in the minors to get the time that he needs and stop whipping him around between uh, the majors and the minors and being this sort of like emergency starter. Like, I don't think that's the best for his, his Mm -hmm. style. And uh, yeah, so uh, I, I think Woodford should be good. I also wanted to, while we've been talking, I, I, I did look up Aaron Brooks. Um, did you guys see in uh, 2014 in his big league career, he pitched uh, 2.2 innings, uh, gave up 13 earned runs to, uh, it's a, it's a real nice 12.13 FIP. So uh, at a 43, almost 44 ERA. Uh, That's called wearing it right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Made me think of um, Mike Mayers with the Cardinals. Uh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. 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 Um, so. one, one other thing I, I think is, is worth pointing out. Like, I think if Wayno, Michaelis, Mats, and Hudson are all pitching, like, you know, we hope that they're pitching, then I think mm-hmm. it, it gives you the flexibility to say, well, maybe we'll have Jake Woodford piggybacked by Libertor. Maybe we'll have, right. him, you know, it'll be Aaron Brooks and Verhagen today or, or something like that. I think if those four spots are stable and they're giving you, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, whatever innings a night, then that makes this all kind of smooth out, right? It. I mean, a lot of teams are doing that now, like purposefully doing the fifth man bullpen day. Um, and, you know, some teams very successfully – like, tell me what is the Tampa Bay Rays rotation, you know, and they could very well win the East again. Um, so I don't necessarily have the faith in the Cardinals pitching management uh, group to pull off with the Rays pull off. But having a fifth spot that is a rotation of like the hot hand, 
uh, can work if you just can be good at identifying the hot hand. Name the race rotation sounds like the next game y'all are going to play. I was thinking about it since Nate said that, and I can't think of a... Well, Baz is hurt now, um, and yeah, that was Shane a big Baz, one. Shane, Mc, uh, Shane McClanahan. Uh, who's the junk baller that throws like 84? I can't, I, yeah, I can't we're really exposing there. ourselves of, for not knowing anything here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll her ahead of me, so I'm not going to argue. Yeah. But no, I mean that, that is the point, right? And they won what, like 90 something games last year doing the whole, uh, yeah, they did. Didn't they, 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 uh, went over a hundred. So they did the whole season, just hodgepodging these, their rotation off of who's the hot hand and playing matchups. So, um, it can be done. I, I think the Cardinals and most teams prefer not to do that, um, but we may find ourselves there again because uh, the question of will Wayno, Michaelis, Hudson, uh, will they all stay healthy? Uh, I mean, I certainly hope so, and and Mats, but I certainly hope so. But that's a quite the gamble. Yeah, um, and you know, you figure. I figure they're going to do what they did last year and that if Adam, Adam Wainwright's going to pitch every fifth day, whether there's an off day in the middle or not um, yeah. to keep him on that rotation. So there may be some times where you can skip that fifth starter, which would be great. Um, if, you know, if they're still trying to figure it all out, um, especially early on in the year, although I don't know that, you know, there's as many off days yeah. um, as there have been sometimes, but, well, um, you assume there's no restrictions either on Matt's. Um, there's probably no restrictions on Michaelis. Um, Hudson, I have to imagine they're going to want, even though he, he's been healthy now for a while. I didn't Last year, if I remember correctly, he was like maybe going to come back. And they were like, ah, just don't. No, he pitched a couple times in, in yeah. September last Did year. Did he? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, so there started- you go. He pitched one of those games. You know, Flaherty pitched like the first inning or something like that. First That's right. Like, yeah. Okay. Four or five behind. So yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he's not going to go seven or eight probably, but I think he'll be on a fairly regular yeah. routine. But again, that's a lot of health. And there are a lot of questions on all of those guys. You know, if they're at their levels, you're fine. But when does all those ifs ever work out for a team? Yeah. Uh, pretty much never. Remember the the happened for the Reds a few years back, where they yeah. had it was like 160 starts came from the same five guys. Yeah, yeah. And the Cardinals did it a couple of years around that. Like they they got like 155 or something yeah. like that. But yeah. um, it does it it seems to be well in the past, given way pitchers are used and stuff these days. Anyway, um, right. And I say that. These days, that was only like, you know, like that, that was only like five or six years ago. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about, but uh, the two hundred inning like... man is, yeah, it just does not happen anymore. What do you guys think about the the opener? Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I just don't think. I, I mean, I guess it must work because people use it, and I right. But it's still to me, it's like you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that big a thing. I I always get that, like you know, I'm going to the game. Uh, you know, I, I think of it just from like the strictly fan point of view, I'm I'm sure that it works. And obviously, like I'm looking at the Rays starting pitching staff uh, from last year and they were pretty bad. Um, so obviously there's some something to it. Um, right. But, you know, like from a fan point of view, when you're going in and 
somebody they, they say who's the starter today you know who who's what's the big matchup and they say it's oh drew rasmussen is opening up against uh you know x other pitcher i, I that kind of angers me um <laughs> they're not angers it's just i find it i don't like it is really you know what fans you know what fans like even more though ben w winning yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to say that. At the end of the day, when you leave the game, if you won, that's what people have the most fun with. Sure. True. <laughs> but there's also that, you know, I remember going to see Mark Pryor pinch against the Cardinals back when he was Mark yeah. Pryor. You know, um, Cardinals lost that game, but it's still, you know, it was a good game. You remember that kind of stuff. And, and at least going into the game, you think, okay, we've got scherzer versus wainwright this is going to be a good game it may not be it may be terrible right. yeah um but at least it's something i like you that gotta wonder that that exactly what you said daniels like that i like i'll look at the schedule and i'll say oh we have wainwright versus scherzer i'm going to that game i want to be there and now unfortunately i live in denver so that matchup is only like oh i get to see kershaw pitch against blah 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 um <laughs> But that I like I, I that guy. I think what, a lot you, of people. What do you got coming up? And you got uh, uh, Bueller against Herman. Herman Marquez might be their starter. Him or uh, yeah. uh, who's the the local boy, uh, the lefty uh, Kyle? Uh... See, I don't even know the guy's name. This um, is your team. <laughs> <laughs> they're my second team. I'd like to be clear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, that that's what it comes down to. Like, obviously, there are some merits to it, and I think you know, especially if a team. You know, they think you're throwing Wainwright and they stack the first three batters with lefties and you go throw out some lefty killer reliever out there. That that to me makes sense. Of course it does. But mm-hmm. I also think that generally the Waynos, the Scherzers, the DeGroms of the world can go get out three lefties. Uh, you know, obviously they have bad days, but it the advantage, I just don't fully see it. Um, although yeah. numbers probably. Yeah, I think it's kind of I think it's kind of just a rebranding of the bullpen day. Because you don't see these teams throwing out uh, openers when they have a Scherzer on the mound that day. You know, they're using it as a as a way to bridge into their whoever their number four, their number five is. Right. Um, I think ideally, I think most teams still prefer the guy who goes 220 innings and (laughs) competes for a Cy Young, you know, Uh, but that's generally hard to find. so it's just uh, I, I, I like it as an interesting baseball strategy, but I, I do agree with you, like from a I'm going to a game perspective. Um, yeah, it's like maybe the least exciting thing. Yeah. And I mean, I could understand it maybe even if, you know, that idea of you start a lefty, I mean, like an actual starter and then pull them after an inning because they nobody you know, they didn't put any lefties in the lineup, you know, that kind of thing. But if you're using an opener, it's like, okay, well, he's just going to be gone after an inning. So why would we change our normal lineup to, you know, get past the first inning? So, um, but like you said, it worked for Tampa Bay. So smarter minds than us probably Um, have figured out something. It's, it's the same concept as having a, you know, a good bullpen at the end of the game. You shorten the game. If they, if they, if you throw out a, a ace reliever, in the first or two inning, first or second inning, you know, you're you're shortening the game just like you shorten the back half of it. And I think and your starter. Well, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Well, all, all I was going to say is I think like, you know, like just to drill down to why the like the it makes sense for the Rays. The Rays are have been really, really good at finding those relief aces. And I don't think the Cardinals have really been that good at it that they've tried. Yeah. 
they've had they've had they've hit some guys. Uh, Luis Garcia is the most recent one in memory, but they've gone out and paid for, for guys. They've converted guys. They don't really have a great track record of finding those pitchers for whatever reason. Yeah, well, it's really hard too because it's such a small sample size. Um, you know, any reliever across fifty innings, even the best reliever, right. can have a bad couple of games and blow out their entire ratios. Um, and it gets really hard to to evaluate relievers um, without a pretty good body of work. And and yeah, the Rays do seem to be pretty good at that. Also, I think maybe there's some idea of letting a guy you know go deeper into a game. You know, face you know he won't face the you know the top three but a yeah. couple of times and that gets him into the, like the sixth or seventh. And I, I'm sure there's some of that to it. Yeah. There's yeah. huge numbers on um, the third time through the rotation yeah. and yeah. Uh, or third time through the lineup and just how bad that is for most guys. Although I think there was a, uh, there's a crazy stat on like Verlander or one of those dudes where like the third time through the lineup was his best, uh, his yeah, best stats. Is- that you is know. a Verlander stat, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's when he breaks out the, the cheese. He, he says, yeah. oh, I'm going to kick it up to 98, 99. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And I want to say, I'd have to look. I want to say even like Wainwright last year was not, you know, it wasn't the sharp drop off that you expected. No. Um, especially for a guy of his age. Of course, Verlander's not far behind him. Well, Waino's uh, an entirely new pitcher too, right? True. I mean, he true. he's become a like master of disguise, you know, the quick pitch and the, he's just out there goofballing everyone, the 200 innings of nonsense. It's fantastic. I love it. He, he was talking, I think it was an interview last year and he was talking about painting X's in his spots. And what he meant by that was hitting the same spot with the same arm angle, throwing a cutter one time, throwing a sinker the next time, and the two balls breaking the opposite way, but looking like they're coming out at the same. Like, that sounds like wizardry to me. I thought it was. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there, there's also something to be said about being able to throw every single pitch, to, you know, left, right, up, down. It's, he's like, a video I, I'm waiting for him to, uh, you know, I, I agree with you, Ben. I think he's. He's going to keep pitching. I don't think this will be his last year, barring, you know, you know, knock on wood, some sort of injury or just straight up ineffectiveness like he was experiencing the past few years before this, which led him to considering retirement. Uh, but with this new Wayno, um, I think he's going to pitch till 45, and I'm waiting for him to unveil the knuckleball, and he's going <laughs> to pitch until he's like 60. It's going to be awesome. And I... Go ahead, Ben. Oh, I, I'm just going to say more stupid things. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think he's going to back himself into a Hall of Fame. I think uh, so, too. If he, he can, really I mean, is. we're really high on his results from last year. And who knows what, what this year could look like. But um, if he can do what he did last year, even for a couple more years, I do think he backs into that conversation. My only disagreement there is that. Wainwright has seemed to be fairly interested in moving beyond baseball yeah. to doing his charity work, to being at, with his family um, and things like that. And with Yachty leaving this year too, I mean, I agree. He's still going to be, he could be effective for another couple of years and he hasn't ruled it out, but I think it's going to be, there's going to be a lot of things on that side of the scale that's going to get him um, to, and you know, yeah, 
that but, guy's a big old romantic too. So yeah. to be able to walk out with Yachty at the same time, yeah, is, is going to be a real draw too. Oh, uh, but Daniel, you failed to mention the um, the biggest uh, new new Adam Wainwright news, which has been cracking me up. I I, I have to imagine. I love Adam Wainwright, and I saw him play guitar and sing on a video the other day, and I thought, wow, he's actually pretty talented. But I cannot imagine this is going to be good, but uh, <laughs> I, I really hope that I'm wrong. He's putting out a 14-song album. Wow. Uh, at the end of, at the end, ne- like next off season, he's of all original songs of him singing and playing guitar. Uh, I hope that it's fantastic, um, but I don't know. <laughs> I just, there's something about all the, the, everything about it that's going to make me I'm really worried it's going to be very cringy but um you know good for him he's chasing his dream so you're right he's you know he's got a lot of interest and we saw him in the booth a lot I think he's great in the booth he obviously is one of those dudes who's just kind of good at everything that he does and he could walk into like a million different lucrative and fulfilling careers after this but I I just I think the thing we've always known about Wayne O2 is he's an insane competitor Sure. And I don't think he'll step away if he is still competitive. So that's where I think it, it, unless he's injured or he is ineffective this year, or, you know, both could Cardinals happen win. for his age. What's that? Or the Cardinals win. If they win the World Series, you think like, that helps him? I think if the Cardinals won the World Series this year, he would be done. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So they should do that. Not not to get rid of that, <laughs> but just, you know, they should, they should just do that. Wait, nice closing think, book to the whole. the Cardinals should win the World story. Series? Just my That's opinion. A bold, it's a bold take. He's taking some stands here tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that's why hey, you had us on, you know what? Daniel. I'm more in the John Mazalek camp. I don't, let's, let's temper our expectations <laughs> okay, here. Right. I don't want anyone going out getting too excited about anything. <laughs> so um, what is better? I mean... <laughs> You know, we've seen this week, you know, um, Dave Roberts coming out and saying, you know, we're going to the World Series. Yeah. We're winning the World Series. This is this is it. We're winning the World Series. Is it better to raise those expectations? I mean, obviously, they have a team that can match that up. Or is it, you know, or is it hurt more when you, you know, you come out and you start, you know, five and 20 or something like that after you've said that and, uh, you know, the season gets away from you yeah i don't I don't know if it's worth putting that extra pressure on the team i don't know i mean ali marmal was also saying our goal is to win the world series right it was only yeah, the goal not you yeah. know not not that we will do it yeah did uh, yeah did dave roberts say we will win it this year oh, he did he yeah i love it yeah. so i think that's great i mean like every that's what you want as a fan you want your team out there saying we will win the world series you know i i don't think the, the downside is already baked into not winning the World Series. It, you already, it sucks, and you're going to be sad. So um, at least have the team be uh, as amped and as confident as you want them to be. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I can't speak for maybe the clubhouse element of that um, and what like that would do in the middle of the season or even at the beginning of the season, like you said. But as a fan, uh, like, hell yeah we're going to win the world series. Like why would you say anything otherwise? And, and I understand it's kind of, you know, aping Mo there with his, you know, he walked back his manager saying we want to win the world series. I'm like, <laughs> why, why would you do that? I yeah. get it from a, I, I totally, I've been, I've been more of a Mazalek apologist um, as far as his approach. I, I do think generally speaking, their approach of like put together a competent team, 
get to the playoffs and see what happens. Like I, I understand that it might not necessarily be my favorite, uh, you know, approach. Um, but I, I get it. It is an approach that has yielded results for the Cardinals for a long time, but like, you can also let your manager go out and say, we want to win the world series. <laughs> you don't have to go out there and be like, well, you know, we're, we're gonna sh- sure try to be competitive. You know, it's like, ugh, like what a boring ass response for a fan base. Well, it's, it, it is a conservative front office. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. I, I don't think there's any yeah. argument there. You just don't have to say it. Let the quiet, yeah. leave the quiet part quiet, you know? And it's, it's not like the, it's not like the Dodgers have a any more of a target on them. I mean, yeah. everybody's already getting up. They've been them. the best team in baseball for like five years in a row now. Yeah. Uh, you know, the results haven't always landed that way, but uh, for for quite a while now, if you had to pick the best team in baseball, you could say the Dodgers, and no one would argue with you. Well, last year was like what the first time in like 15 years they didn't win the division. Yeah. Um, and, is, and they won 106 games. Yeah, it's insane. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's uh so yeah, but your manager should be out there saying uh we if either we want to win the World Series or we're going to win the World Series, they're either kind of fine by me. Now, of course, if you're the manager for you know the Rockies or something. Um, you shouldn't be out there saying we are going to win the World Series because uh, you know then everyone's just going to laugh at you because that's stupid. Um, but any team that is it, it is as competitive as the Cardinals or the Dodgers or whatever, you want the 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 people in charge to say we that's our goal. Yeah. We're going to do it. You know. And I think when the team, you know, with the team being led by like the spiritual leaders of Arenado, Molina, and Wainwright, those guys are just going to use that as I mean, they're the most intense competitors you can yeah. imagine. They're just going to use that as extra fuel in their tank and maybe will it into existence. No, Nolan Arenado might be able to do that. We, we, <laughs> you know, we might see that yeah. happen this year. I just, yeah, I just can't see how it's a downside for a coach or a manager to say, we want to do the best. We want to be the best. Isn't that what like everyone is in sports to do? So I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox, but uh, yeah, that makes, <laughs> makes sense for sure. Um, and it is a, it is interesting how teams approach that. I mean, you know, again, I'm, I, I know that I'm sure that they all have that goal. Well, yeah. I mean, unless you're in Pittsburgh, but, um, <laughs> but you know, even the Rockies were saying they want to win the World Series. Right. And we all know they don't actually want to win the World Series, but they're even <laughs> no, saying it. No, no, no. They do. They just don't know how to. <laughs> yeah. That is a that is a good clear. It's like if you ask your dog to drive down to the drugstore, it would love to do that for you, <laughs> but there's no way that's ever going to happen. What's a dog getting from like a Walgreens? <laughs> Treats. <laughs> Treats. All know. right. Cold medicine. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um <laughs> not sure where we're gonna go with that after that one, but uh, uh, I was I thinking like it. hot pockets or something. If yeah. it could if you could drive to a so you want the dog water. to drive a car and then use a microwave right after that, you're if insane. it can if it well, can drive a car, it can use a microwave. Yeah, but a dog doesn't have the patience to let a hot pocket cool off and so it's just gonna burn its mouth. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, I just um that's just that's just the way a dog. I, mean, I believe <laughs> I would believe a driving dog and a microwave dog over a patient dog. Yeah. So, yeah food. Um, to somewhat get us back on topic, uh, <laughs> Jordan Hicks. 
let's let's talk a little bit about Jordan Hicks, which is not a bad conversation to have. No, but obviously we know that it's been he's pitched what ten innings since his you know left the mound in 2019 against the Angels at the major league level. Um, he is just now I think what he threw his first bullpen today yesterday. Still seeing a lot of people penciling him in to be on the major league roster, especially with expanded numbers. Is that where you would put him? Is that where you think he should be? And if so, how are you using him? Yeah. Um, if I if I was having my real wish, you know, Ben was saying Libertor Oviedo as the fifth starter, Hicks, mm-hmm. it would be mine if you could wipe away all of the the you know, thousand different concerns that come from that. Um, I want to see him in the rotation. I want to see him as a starter. Um, and there's a spot in the rotation. So let's see if we can get him in there. Now, realistically, I don't think he's ready for it. Um, it seems to me like he should start uh, in the minors, stretching out, getting innings under his belt and just getting back to normal. Uh, but I, I want to see him take a crack at, at the rotation or at least like as a starter. Yeah, I, th- I think they, you know, they called him up basically because Yachty was like, oh, my God, this guy can throw a 105 mile an hour sinker. He needs to be on the team if we yeah. want to win. He um, basically and- skipped the minors, you know, yeah. and yeah. and was oh, immediately successful in the majors. He had some ups and downs like all young pitchers, especially guys who throw as hard as he does. But like he was pitching in the majors at 21 and looked like one of the best pitchers in the league at times. Like he should be. I think he should be a starter. That's where he'd be most valuable. And I think he should be given the chance to like really settle in, in, in the majors. Um, but I'd be fine also because of the injury and the recovery with them starting him in the minors, just so he can be in a less higher leverage situation while he builds back up. Yeah. And I think the, the, the logic behind let's have him start, let's have him pull back the one Oh five to high nineties um, and, and let him like, let it all be a lot more controlled makes a lot of sense. I mean, most good relievers are failed starters. Let him go on that normal path, even though we've got the, you know, essentially, what is it like two or a year and a half of all-star level performance, let him start and just let him be a pitcher. And then you can always drop him back into the bullpen. Um, the question is, is like, where, what is the need? Is he going to come out and have a couple of good starts in spring? And they're going to feel like they need to have him take that fifth spot. I hope not. Um, I was just looking up cause I was curious. His service time is already at four years. Are they playing with that clock now? Um, because of his injured years, you know, I, I'd be curious of what they're kind of the way that they're looking at those numbers and the, and if that's weighing in on it at all, um, like by that, I mean, you know, they, they know that he is a, he's a known commodity in the bullpen. So does that mean they just go that route because that is the route that is the path of least resistance? I don't know, but I, I agree with you, Nate. I, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, there's something to that. I mean, you know, what Alex Reyes was like in arbitration before he pitched, you know, more than 50 innings of the big leagues just because of the injuries and the service time and things like that. And I'm sure that factors in some. I mean, if you're going to, if this guy's clock is already ticking, do you want it ticking at Memphis or do you want it ticking at the major leagues doing something? Um, yeah, I'm and with if you. you only, mean, if you only have a couple of years left, you know, do you just squeeze every ounce of value that you can out of that guy? Or do you take time and develop? Yeah, I think it's a, I don't know. What's the answer? I, I, mean, I think the performance dictates that, you know, if he's 
doing well at the major league level, then yeah, you know, get him out there. He's young. He's recovered from his injury, hopefully, and he's ready to pitch. Let him pitch. Uh, use him as much as you can. You might not have him for a lot longer, uh, but if he's struggling, then you know, let's not have him struggle at the majors where he might still be recovering from injury. Uh, Daniel, for I was, all the... oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was curious of the point you just made. So Alex Reyes is at four, a little over four years of service time, and he has 145 innings pitched in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah, like half of that's from last year too, right? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. yeah 72 is, for, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And for the fact that he came up in, you know, 2016, um, right. you know, back when y'all were doing a show even. Um, <laughs> so that's how long Alex Reyes has been around. So, um, but, uh, you know. Hicks has 116 in the majors. No. He's not that what's, far behind Reyes. What's surprising me, and I wonder if, if going to be a starter and maybe learning how to develop things a little bit more would help, you know, for, for as much as his, you know, hitting 105 and all that, he didn't strike out as many people as you would think, yeah. you know, Reyes didn't. And I mean, not Reyes, uh, Hicks. And, and I wonder if a little bit more development, a little bit more, you know, c- controlled to some degree would help in that regard. I would, yeah, I'd love to see them. I just, I don't want to see them stretch him out at the major league level because I think he needs the time yeah. in the minors, but you're right. If he if he can come in, and especially now, I mean, look what we we're, we've got. What two weeks? A little, a little bit more than that. A little less than that. Yeah, um, he's only going to get. Yeah, he's only going to get what. Even if he pitched in tomorrow's game, which I don't know that he would, he's only going to get like three or four innings in the in spring. I, I just to me, I would play on the air outside of caution, but. Um, I agree that, you know, there's a lot of different considerations in there, not just, you know, what's best for him and what's best for the team. Yeah. You mentioned his lack of strikeouts and, uh, that always makes me think of a guy like Joe Kelly. Now, um, Mm -hmm. you know, Hicks was striking out more people than Joe Kelly, uh, but still Joe Kelly would touch a hundred or get close to it. And he had a six or seven K per nine through a ton of his career. And then he finally, figured out that control a little bit, took a step back at, uh, with some of the velocity and you know, significantly increased his K per nine. And he kind of turned him into the um, you know household name that everyone knows also, of course, that goofy face he made. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But um, which is awesome. And I wanted the Cardinals <laughs> to sign him. But anyway, uh, I think you could see something similar with, with Hicks. Yeah, he throws hard, but guys were pretty good at laying off of it if it was out of the zone. And then when they did make contact with it, it was, he had such crazy movement or, or such crazy velocity. They just grounded and, you know, smash it into the ground and it was a ground ball. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see his K per nine go up when he reduces his velocity, because it should bring some more control. And it's not like 98 or 99 isn't also fast. You don't yeah. need to throw yeah. 105. Yeah. Because, I mean, when he was throwing 105 in that one at bat against Herrera, that, you know, a lot of those pitches were well out of zone. Oh, he know? had yeah. no idea where the ball was going. Yeah. yeah. Which is maybe Which is the scariest situation exactly. I can think of. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Yeah. Uh, while we're up, but I guess maybe because I have somewhat, because of the injuries of Hicks the last couple of years, there has been a tendency, at least for me, to kind of feel like he and Reyes are kind of linked, right? Cause they've run along some of the same path that, you know, yeah. although Reyes had a, was a 
more of a prospect and had a little bit more time in the minors to build up those injuries and being out for so long have really been a problem. Reyes out again now. And I don't know that we were, I, I still don't know even when he was healthy, I wasn't sure exactly how he was going to help this team um, because of, of all the issues now, man, I mean, what, what does the season look like for Alex Reyes? Do you think he, I mean, what, what does this look like for him? Uh, well, he's on the 60 day, day DL. Um, right. so that's, you know, obviously bad news and that's two months. I, I, if we see him before the all-star break, I would say that that's a miracle. And by that, I mean, in the big leagues, I, I'm hoping that he's making starts in the minors, building himself back up. Maybe they have some extended thing in Jupiter for him to get stronger again. But I mean, they have to treat the guy like he's made of glass. Um, the Cardinals really, I, I think this. It makes me wonder about a larger issue in the Cardinals just keeping pitchers healthy. Um, And I'm not sure, you know, maybe it's just a bad run of luck. Um, But there does seem to be a pattern. But I think you you have to treat him like the glass cannon that he is. And we're not going to see him do anything until uh, after the All-Star break. I hope it is as a starter. I hope they don't rush him back because the Cardinals are in a situation where they need those caper nines in the bullpen as quickly as possible to settle the ship. Um, like they've had to do in the past, but that that's, you know, kind of how I see it playing out. Yeah. There was a point uh, early in this off season that I was kind of bummed that we signed Matt's because that meant it likely pushed Alex Reyes out of the rotation and how young and naive I was at that time. <laughs> um, I think we're just back to the, what it's been with Reyes since he's been a part of the team other than, the first half of last year, which is, we don't know. We'll see what we get from him. I also hope he's a starter. Uh, I think that had always been the sort of um, marketed ceiling of Reyes. You know, he's he's the next, I mean, he was the top prospect in baseball at one point yeah. as a starting pitcher, you know? So I think we all still have that somewhere in our hearts of, best pitcher or best prospect in baseball, number one prospect, Alex Reyes. I want to see it. And we saw it as a reliever last year for the first half, but I still got hope in my heart for that, that, you know, turn through the rotation where you get Alex Reyes, but I don't know. It it just doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's ever going to happen. It feels like he's going to go down as probably the biggest, what if since Rick and kill. Yeah. Um, and, and just that idea that if, if he had been healthy, what would, I mean, if he had been healthy, there's so many different things that would have changed over the last couple of years, just about roster moves and things of that nature. Right. So, um, Oh yeah. Think yeah. of, think of Jack Flaherty being kind of the up and comer next to an established Alex Reyes like that, yeah. that alone. Yeah. You're a hundred percent right. That changes the way the Cardinals look not only in the central, but in the league. I also, uh, I love the Ankiel comp. I'm looking for the second half of Alex's Reyes career. (laughs) We're talking outfielder, throwing bombs, hitting bombs, gunning people out from from the outfield. I'm into it. I think he'd be a third baseman. You think so? Just Yeah, I'm just going off. He's he's a massive dude with a a crazy arm. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, although, you know, catcher is going to be open after this year. So, I mean, if he wants to really 
You hear about catcher to pitcher. You never hear about pitcher to catcher. That would be amazing. (laughs) Baseball needs this. It'd be good for the game. It'd be good for him. Yeah. I don't know how good it would be for him. But we're starting a new that's the new um that's our that's our campaign this year. Get <laughs> Reyes behind the plate. Uh, speaking of campaigns, it, it are you pretty sure that Adam that Adam Wainwright will get at least one at bat this year? Oh yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Well he, now with the to, return he's going to force it to happen. Yeah. Unfortunately with the the um spooky return of the ghost runner on second um <laughs> it's uh it doesn't like we're not going to get those games where you know he's he's suddenly actually the best bat on the bench still um but yeah i, I could see him lobbying for it and they call it the otani rule and that's really unfair because it really is originally the adam wainwright rule right maybe a little right. bit the madison Bumgarner rule so I, I would I would actually place a small wager that yes, and I think he's going to get more than one. I I think he gets one at least till he gets a hit for yeah. sure. You think? Uh, yeah, there are going to be situations where they're they're going to allow it. Yeah, but it, it it's got to be blowout games, though, right? Well, that yeah, may, it might yeah. be garbage time. I'm not saying yeah, it won't be yeah, that, but yeah. I, I think it's going to. Or happen. I think there's a really really good depending on. Assuming the Cardinals have clinched a playoff position and all that, but that last game of the year, yeah, especially if he's starting, but you know that last game at Bush, he he's getting it at bat. Okay. I would love to see he teams might start take more. as an outfielder. Yeah, I see. That's what. So I would love to see teams take more advantage of those useless games at the end of the season. And like, you know, we got Yachty at short, we got Wayno in right field. You know, just go. Sell some tickets, do some bonkers stuff on that last game. Why not? Go back to the old barnstorming days, you know, do wacky shit at the to end out the season. I think it'd be great. Um it, speaking of weird stuff, um the expanded playoffs, and we'll kind of go back to maybe a general thing to end up, but um we've got that buy for the top two teams, right? It's gonna be Yeah five six gay days where they don't play you think that's going to be a problem because i i've always thought that that was one thing baseball didn't need to do was buys because the the rhythm of everything you know yeah. a day or two is one thing but you know five or six days off even for a good team I mean, that's that's gonna be a problem i my opinion is well i i think it probably hurts the hitters just as much as it helps the pitchers so if mm-hmm. you are clawing and dragging like the Dodgers and the Giants were and you know they're we faced them um in that wild card game last year at their weakest point um and they were run ragged so I think you know it's kind of what's the what's the uh the uh, best part of your club if you're the if you're the best hitting team it probably does take you back a bit if you're the best pitching team it's probably a big advantage because you're every day those guys get a rest I I think yeah. you know makes them more powerful but that's, you know, obviously speaking very generally. Yeah, I, but I, I think that kind of is the answer, though, Ben, is that this is like uh, I don't think there will be a statistical difference in, you know, in 10 years when we go look when we go and look back, it'll probably not be a big difference uh, on average how the teams had uh, performed that went on by or had buys versus didn't. Um, but I could see it mattering on an individual 
level like that? Like, what were the circumstances of their team? What was the circumstances of the end of the season for them? Um, there's a lot of things that'll come into play, but I think overall, though, you want that buy, obviously. So it's it's you'll take that whatever possible disadvantage it'll be in the next round of the playoffs for the fact that you just get to skip an entire round of the playoffs and it's baseball. So totally, you know, short, short uh, series is random as hell. So I would take that every single time, even if it means a somewhat percentage drop in the next round. Do you think, is there an added value to that? Like you get to take a series off and you have like a, a series of advanced scouting on X team over them having that on you. Like, is that, is that I, material value? I, I don't know, but may, maybe I, I can't imagine you just watched, you just had 162 games of data on them. What's a, uh, more data. You know, what's another three games or yeah. because the first round is going to be three, right? So uh, I think it's five. Is it five? Maybe it is three. Uh, I've kind of, honestly, I, I was so against the expansion of playoffs yeah. that I've kind of not taken too much time to, to read into the specifics. I knew about the buy, but I haven't looked at the, at the round per round breakdown. I hope it's five. I want us to go back to nine game world series, but that'll never happen. (laughs) The wild card is best of three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, likely two, you know, two or three more games of data. I don't think it's going to change anything, but maybe, I don't know. I, yeah, I just gonna, it will be interesting though, that, you know, teams like, like if the, you know, you're winning hundred games, you're going to be that top team. You don't have to worry about setting up your pitching rotation. I mean, so you can let your ace pitcher pitch yeah. the last day of the year if he wants to, just to stay fresh, you know, boots three or four innings or whatever, and know that he's going to have four or five days off to be back on his regular stuff. So instead of, you know, trying to have to really kind of map this out. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. A, I think you'll always take that. I mean, that's. Yeah. What would you re- would you rather play two to three more games against a, another highly competitive team with a chance of getting knocked out on some random, you know, random stuff, or get several days off, a chance to completely reset your rotation, completely reset your bullpen, and you know those guys can. It's not the same. Game action is always its own thing, but. It's not like you are completely unable to still go out and practice and, and stay to some degree right. fresh. Well, yeah, I, I think that's where the value is because baseball is not like every other sport where like Tom Brady's going to go be Tom Brady every single Sunday, whether it's the Super Bowl or week one or whatever. Max Scherzer might just have a bad day where he gets lit up yeah. and that changes a three game series dramatically really quickly. Right. So right. I think. Well, unfortunately, I don't think the Cardinals are in the position to really worry about that this year because of the teams <laughs> in the East and the West. I, I do think, like, if if you're kind of waiting, like, or gaming, like, which one makes the more, most sense, I still think getting out of that three-game series just because you can get your head cut off, you know, if somebody has a right. has a bad day makes the most sense. Is there... I haven't seen. Maybe y'all have, um, especially Ben, or maybe you can find it. Is it where the top two division winners are the top two teams or is it just the top two records wise teams? Cause again, this year that would have meant that the Dodgers as a wild card would have gotten a buy. I think it's the top two division winners, but it, I don't I mean, know. That makes sense, but yeah, I'm pretty again, sure it's, it's top two division winners. 
Uh, only two division winners will get a buy into the division series. Okay. Yeah, so it'll probably be the East and the West, and then whoever wins the Central will play. You know the the yeah. bottom, like probably the bottom wild card team, and then. Uh, well, it which, says, yeah. Then, oh yeah, sorry, Nate, you were right. And then it says, yeah. And after that, uh, there is no reseeding for the LDS. First seed plays winner of four versus five wild card series. Uh, okay. Second seed plays. Three versus six winner. So the Dodgers, even with 106 wins last year, would have still been stuck in, in this, the wild card and yeah. wild card yep. thing. So, which you know, granted, that's not going to happen very often. No, but at least it's not one that. game anymore. Um, I understand right. the spectacle of it, but that was so stupid from a right. like determining the best team standpoint. Yeah, that was a, that Do was you... a bad night last year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was pretty good for, you know, some of it. It was better than I expected until the yeah, end. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. It was did. going great until very suddenly it, it was not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do you think this is a setup to, at some point in time, kind of get rid of the American League and the National League? I mean, we've got the DH in each spot. You're playing, you're going to be playing starting next year this balance schedule where you're playing everybody uh, in the league. Um, you've got, you've already kind of got, you've got rid of t- like presidents, things like that. And so it'd be like a top, you know, the top 12 teams, not uh, necessarily the top six and six. Do you think that's coming? Not soon, but I mean, wouldn't be in this CBA, but you're looking five, 10 years down the road. Do you think that happens? That That's really interesting. I, I, so I don't know. I haven't thought about that enough to really respond intelligently. I guess I don't understand what the why the MLB would be aiming towards that, though, because I think mm-hmm. or something as a fan that I really enjoy is, you know, out here I'm forced to go to Rockies games. But when the Padres come into town or interdivision, you know, National League rivals, it you know, it, it's there's something to it. And the same with the Dodgers. Right. And I know obviously the Cardinals have theirs. So I think. And, and, you know, I don't know if it would undervalue the rivalries or not, but I think anything that encourages rivalries is good and anything that takes away from them is bad. But uh, Mm -hmm. do you have a theory on what the end goal of that potential outcome is? Like, I, I, I can't even think of what it would be. Well, no, I hadn't really thought about that much. Um, Well, Manfred's but, always I mean, trying to, he's just trying to mess with things. So I, I wouldn't be surprised right. if he just did it to do I, it, to make me I could mad. S- I could see a goal of bringing like real parity to scheduling and just like a competitive balance thing where like, but they're already kind of doing that with scheduling. I think you're right, Daniel. I think it's mostly just going to become a branding thing. Um, AL versus NL. And it's no longer an actual like structural difference other than how you have your divisions lined out. But those are always changing anyway or, or have changed and will change. Um, I'd be surprised if they get rid of like the concept of AL and NL, if only for that, that branding element. But whether it'll actually have an impact on anything, uh, I mean, I think... It's gone basically now, isn't it? Or will be next year with the new schedules. 
Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure any of us would have the answer to this, but I wonder if there's like an, are AL teams doing better economically than NL teams or something? I wonder if there's like, well, even with revenue sharing, I wonder if there's something yeah. like that going on. Well, you have I would say the East Coast. The argue, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the, my my think, only thinking would be if you're trying to make sure that the larger markets are in the playoffs uh, and, you know, getting more games and getting, right. you know, because if, if you're, if you start looking at, Okay, well, kind of like we were talking about, you know, if the if the Yankees and the Red Sox, uh, you know, wind up and maybe Toronto, like we were talking earlier, um, becomes a super team out there or something like that, and they want to make sure that, you know, New York and or Boston and one is not getting snake bit in that three game series, then it's like, well, let's seed by record, yeah, no matter you know, no matter what league you're in, and so some years maybe that's you know, seven American League teams and five National League teams, you know, quote, quotes. Um, I don't know that they will. I mean, for me, I'm thinking there's enough of this, you know, they've really kind of torn down all the walls between all this. But then on the other side, you know, and I, I, it's not a sport that I spend much time with, but football's got that right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know that anybody, I don't know what the, conf- they still have the different conferences. I don't know if anybody listen, looks at it, but they still keep them separate. Right working their way to the Super Bowl. I, I could definitely see, like, the argument could very easily be made that if you are in the AL Central over the past 20 years, I don't know, 15 <laughs> years, you've had the easiest route to the playoffs in, in the big leagues. And I right. could understand how, obviously, AL Central fans are saying, yes, that's great, we get our shot. And then teams, you know, everyone outside of that division is, well, this is crap, you know, they're they're beating up on, you know, X, Y, Z bad teams. And they're just getting to skirt into here to then, you know, in the twins case, get obliterated by the Yankees or whoever it might be. (laughs) So I, I do understand that like framed like that. I'm kind of on board. I'd have to think about it more, but I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think what you'll see more likely is just the throwing out of the worry about divisions being regional with each other Mm -hmm. and I could see them start getting way more wacky with divisions in order to solve that problem of, or, you know, perceived problem rather of like not getting the super popular teams into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, the, the East is no longer called the East or, or it's called the East, but uh, sure. Detroit's in it now or, or uh, you know, whatever it might be, because that regional concern is obviously less and less of a thing now with, uh, just how the world works. It, you know, it doesn't really matter. And the teams have all their own private jets and shit. So it doesn't matter. They can go wherever they want with no problem. Um, so I could see that being a thing before like getting rid of the, the actual separation of the teams as far as access to the playoffs go from a, from a conference standpoint or national AL league. You know what I'm saying? Oh, the, oh, the other side is I could see some radical realignment so the teams are closer together. So there's, you know, less travel and mm-hmm. less expenses in that regard. So um, I don't know. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully that's a long way down the line. But uh, yeah. uh, with this, with some of the changes, it at least raised the question. Guys, it's been fun tonight. We're running a little long, uh, which is fine with me. Um, we have a tendency to do that. <laughs> we, we were like, when we, when we were restarting the show, we're like, all right, we're going to keep it at a tight like hour, hour 10. And the first episode was, and the next one was 10 minutes longer than that. Then the next one was 15 <laughs> minutes longer than that. We pulled it back on the last one, but it's, you know, it, it, so, it happens. 
before we wrap it up though, tell people about the Patreon and, and what's going on there with along that goes along with the show. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the the chance to plug. So, um, you know, like like Daniel was saying, this is something that we did for several years, um, you know, several years ago. And one of the things that we really enjoyed about it was be, being a part of the community and, you know, being able to hang out with people like Daniel. And and uh, and we started thinking, like, if we're going to bring the show back, what are ways that we could uh further that element of it and also ensure that we were able to grow the show and spend more time and more resources and more, um, you know, more commitment to it. And we have a lot of ideas for the show. We wanted to start really small. And one of the things that we want to do is start this Patreon, which basically uh, there's a bunch of different stuff going on. It Most of it is stupid and silly, but the big thing that we're, we're going for is we're trying to create a, uh, a discord server that, uh, anyone who signs up to the Patreon uh, can join the Discord. Um, Daniel's in there. We got a few people. We're real small right now, but it, you know we, we hope that it'll grow. And it's just a, a place to go to talk about the Cardinals, uh, maybe get off of Twitter and get into a, a smaller community focused entirely on the Cardinals. We uh, once games start, you know we're we're envisioning doing live chats while games are going on a place to go and watch games together, you know, online basically. Uh, so check out the show. If you like the show and you want to support the show and you want to be a part of this community, we're trying to, to start, um, you know, you can join the Patreon as well at patreon.com slash talking about birds. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hopefully people will check that out, check out the show. Um, and uh, guys, just thanks for, for joining me and uh, look forward to doing it again sometime. Yeah, yeah absolutely. On, yeah, we really appreciate it. This was awesome. Uh, so next week, I will be here with, I don't know, I got to find another Ben, apparently. <laughs> uh, I think Alan's out again next week. Uh, <laughs> but he will be back. Alan will be back shortly uh, as, as the season starts to wrap up. Uh, I think we'll have him more during the summer. I know people have been missing Mr. Medlock. So, uh, but until then, for Ben and Nate, I'm Daniel. Good night. Tying run at second base. In the air to right center. This game is tied. Going to third is Pujols. And it's 9-9. They just won't go away.